Ladies and gentlemen, recording from Los Angeles, California. Welcome to another edition of the one and only podcast known to the world as Sean's Sports Stop, where Sean Tiplitsky gives his unique opinion on the biggest news stories in sports. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the one, the only Sean Sports Stop podcast, where your boy Sean Tiplitsky gives his opinions his takes on everything going on in sports. We have a shit ton to talk about. The NFL draft, MLB season is in full swing. The NBA playoffs are absolutely off the hook. Some other shit. I mean, we have a lot to talk about. This is episode number 390. We are rapidly approaching 400 episodes. As I've been saying for a while now, that's truly astounding. Thank you guys so much for listening, wherever you may be. However you may be listening from, um, however you may be listening. And um, yeah, this episode is sponsored by Crimson IT. If, if you or someone you know has a smaller, medium-sized company that needs managed IT services, head over to crimsonit.com. Uh, and yeah, follow at Lenny's Picks on Instagram for the best sports picks in the world. I'm cashing eight leg, nine leg parlays daily. Nobody else in the game doing it like me. And with that said... Let's get right into it, starting off with some baseball. Although Atlanta Braves fans had a very difficult offseason, specifically due to Freddie Freeman leaving to the uh, hated rival Dodgers, there is some good news. The Atlanta Braves announced that they've activated superstar outfielder Ronald Acuna Jr. from the injured list ahead of Thursday's game against the Chicago Cubs. Acuna suffered a torn ACL, which is obviously a very, very major injury. In a July 10th game against the Miami Marlins, he missed the rest of the season, which concluded with the Braves winning their first World Series title since 1995 and with the team's first 19 games of the 2022 season. So for the first time in nine months, Acuna is back. They, The Atlanta Braves designated fellow outfielder Alex Dickerson for assignment to make room on the active roster. It makes perfect sense. You have to free up a roster spot in order for Acuna to be on the team. What a... What a spark that is for the Braves. It's absolutely huge. It's, it's just this Braves team. Yes, they lost Freddie Freeman and I'm a Dodger fan. So I should point out that the hate between the Braves and Dodgers is mostly one sided. Um, I'm not going to comment as to why I think that is. But as a Dodger fan, the Braves are a team that even though, even though they lost Freddie Freeman, they, they're still coming off a World Series. Ronald Acuna is a generational talent. Most of the pieces in Atlanta are still there. I mean, some did leave, of course, but still, like, this team is still talented enough, especially with Acuna back, in my opinion, to be a World Series contender. But that's just my opinion on that. Take it with a grain of salt. Let's switch gears to the NFL draft. I just want to say it is so surreal talking about the 2022 NFL draft when I vividly remember doing this podcast four years ago talking about the 2018 NFL draft with Josh Rosen, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield how how much has happened since then it's just it really is surreal to think about and I'm gonna bookmark this moment and maybe come back four years from now doing this same podcast in 2026 think about everything that's happened and uh, we'll see but anyways going back to this much like NFL fans, the league's decision makers appear ready to expect the unexpected during the 2022 NFL draft. 
ESPN's Adam Schefter tweeted Thursday that a veteran NFL front office executive told him, quote, this is the craziest draft I've seen in 30 years. That comment perhaps illustrates or was perhaps illustrated by the fact that it still is not or it still wasn't known who the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take with the number one overall pick despite the draft being so close. That question was answered. That question was answered as the Jaguars drafted. Um, they they did not dra- they drafted Trayvon Walker over Aiden Hutchinson. I mean that is a very bold move by the Jaguars. A very Jaguar like thing to do. Maybe they know something we don't, but that once again is a very very uh, bold move in my opinion. And we got some more baseball to talk about. Some drama. Some drama in New York in the Big Apple. Is Daniel Jones rapidly is Daniel Jones's time with the New York Giants rapidly coming to a close? The New York Giants are reportedly set to decline the fifth year option in the rookie contract of quarterback Daniel Jones, which would have paid him twenty two and a half million in twenty twenty three. NFL Network reported the update ahead of the first round of the twenty twenty two NFL draft. New York selected Jones with the sixth overall pick in the 2019 draft, and he has yet to establish himself as a franchise quarterback after three up and down seasons. To be fair, the team around him has been nothing short of awful, so that should be noted. The Duke product enjoyed a solid rookie season, tallying 24 touchdowns and 12 interceptions in 13 games, but he failed to build on his initial success, recording 21 touchdowns and 17 picks across 25 appearances over the past two seasons. So not terrible numbers, but also very, very mediocre. And I guess not what the Giants were expecting. And someone picked number nine overall. Uh, he ranked 22nd in ESPN's total QBR and received a lackluster 71.6 overall grade from Pro Football Focus in 2021. In turn, the decision to opt against the fifth-year option does not come as much of a surprise. It eliminates the future commitment if the 24-year-old North Carolina native does not turn a corner in his development and the Giants could always use the franchise tag next year if he puts together a breakout season or a solid season. So this is a smart move for the Giants, all things considered. New York did pick its fifth-year option, pick up its fifth-year option on defensive tackle Dexter Lawrence, who's now locked in for 2023 at $10.8 million. Great value, in my opinion, on that. For his part, the Giants uh, quarterback said in early April that he was not concerning himself with the contract situation, saying, quote, I think those things will. There will be a time and place for those conversations. So we'll see and we'll take care of that. We'll do, we'll do that when it come up. But I'm focused on what we're doing here, preparing and taking advantage of every day we have here together. His uncertain question, or excuse me, his uncertain status does raise questions about whether the Giants, who own the number five and seven overall picks, on Thursday night could be in the market for a quarterback in the draft I don't think they will be I don't think they should be but that's just me that's just my opinion uh, I think they should try to I'm not going to say build around Daniel Jones but but at least surround him with a capable team because a great quarterback will always carry a capable team that is beautifully illustrated by Joe Burrow and and this past season, Cincinnati Bengals, they were a capable team with a superstar quarterback. They're, they had zero offensive line, and he still was very fairly close, as a Rams fan, fairly close to willing them all the way to a Super Bowl championship. So the Giants, going back to my actual point, the Giants should try 
to surround Daniel Jones with a capable, functional team before making any real judgments on him. That's just me, though. Transition to more football. The Pittsburgh Steelers hopes that they have found their quarterback of the future after selecting Kenny Pickett with the number 20 overall pick in the 2022 draft. He was the first quarterback taken in the in the draft. So that shows you um, how, how strong this draft class is quarterback-wise. Not very strong. Look at 2018 when you had like five or six first-round quarterbacks. Pickett had a breakout season at the University of Pittsburgh in 2021. He was the program's first Heisman Trophy finalist in this Larry Fitzgerald in 2003 after he threw for over 4,300 yards and 42 touchdowns as a senior. The New Jersey native is the first Panthers quarterback drafted to the NFL since Nathan Peterman in 2017. No, we're not going to talk about that guy. Hopefully Kenny Pickett is better. He's the highest drafted quarterback from the school since Dan Marino went number 27 overall in 1983. So the updated depth chart with the addition of Pickett for the Steelers is Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett, and Mason Rudolph. Pretty soon it's going to be Kenny Pickett, I would guess. It's no secret that the 2022 QB class is seen as a step down from last year's group, which featured five players going in the first 15 picks. It has also been hard to find the consensus on who the best quarterback this year is, but Pickett certainly has the strongest resume of a group that includes Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter, Liberty's Malik Willis, and Ole Miss's Matt Corral. Pickett ranked 6th in the nation in passing yards, 4th in touchdown passes, and ninth in ESPN's QBR at 81.2. Bleacher Report had him at the num- as the number 3 quarterback in the class. Um, I think I think he's going to be a good quarterback for... Mike Tomlin and the Pittsburgh Steelers. I see it working. Uh, there's no, there's not a big amount of kind of knowledge uh, on this player for me. I'm not intimately familiar with Kenny Pickett. I've seen him play in a college in a few college games, but not intimately familiar with him. I just have a gut feeling that it's going to work out in the Pittsburgh Steelers system under Mike Tomlin. Let's switch gears to some baseball. Baseball has been very spicy so far this season. The St. Louis Cardinals defeated the New York Mets 10-5 on Wednesday, but the victory came at a cost. Jesse Rogers of ESPN reported that third baseman Nolan Arenado was suspended two games and relief pitcher Genesis Cabrera was suspended one game for the roles in a benches-clearing brawl that overshadowed the game. It was first reported by the New York Post. The Associated Press added context to the brawl, noting that Cardinals the Cardinals hit three Mets batters during Tuesday's game. Cabrera hit J.D. Davis in the top of the eighth inning of Wednesday's contest, which marked a major league leading 19 hit by pitches for New York batters. That is crazy. Mets reliever Juan Lopez then threw a pitch near Arenado's head in the bottom of the eighth, and the third baseman started yelling at the pitcher before the benches and bullpens cleared onto the field. Quote, when you come up top like that and jeopardize someone's career in life, yeah, I take exception to that. Cardinals manager Oliver Marmol, Oliver Marmol said, and I don't think anyone in the big leagues appreciates getting thrown up top. I would agree with that sentiment. Arenado and Cardinals first base coach Stubby Clapp, who appeared to tackle Pete Alonso of the Mets, were ejected. Quote, Genesis Cabrera grabbed me by the back of the collar and then he just ripped down. And then the coaches kind of jumped on me and I thought that was kind of cheap going from behind, Alonzo said. I mean, if you want to hold me back, if you want to restrain me, go at me like a man. I also agree with that from Pete Alonzo. As for the actual game, the Cardinals scored five of their 10 runs in the fourth inning rally that included an RBI double from Tommy Edmond and a two RBI triple from Dylan Carlson. Arenado had himself a game as well, going three for three with three RBIs and one run scored. 
while helping the Cardinals snap a three-game losing streak. So some some spiciness, as I said, in the MLB to start the season. Speaking of spiciness, the point God himself, Chris Paul, have a game. Historic. He went 14 of 14 shooting in game six of the quarterfinals over the New Orleans Pelicans. It was a 115-109 win for the Suns. So he scored 33 points to go along with eight assists, a vintage game, a historic game for Chris Paul against the the house that he helped build, the Pelicans. The Suns are on to the second round. They will face the Dallas Mavericks. So Chris Paul set an NBA postseason record for most field goals made without a miss. 14 for 14. Absolutely insane. The Pelicans pushed the Suns in both this game and the series, but the Western Conference's top seed was able to close out the game on Thursday. They have Chris Paul to thank for that. They needed every bucket they could get. Devin Booker, who returned to Game 6 after missing the past two games with a hamstring injury, struggled to get into a flow throughout the game, finishing 5 of 12 from the field for 13 points. And the Pelicans hardly rolled over as seven players hit double-digit points, led by Brandon Ingram with 21 points, 11 assists, and 5 boards. But Chris Paul was the best player on the court, both in this game and in the series. He was not going to let it slip out of his, his grasp. A big win for the Suns. Once again, they play the Mavericks in the second round. And let's switch gears. Let's switch gears to some football. I mean, there have been some absolutely monumental trades. The first of which, A.J. Brown has been traded from the Tennessee Titans to the Philadelphia Eagles. And he has immediately agreed to a four-year, $100 million contract with the Eagles. The Titans traded him to the Eagles in exchange for the number 18 pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, which they used to select Arkansas receiver Traylon Burks and a third-round pick the Eagles announced. According to Ian Rapport of NFL Network, they signed him to a $100 million deal with $57 million guaranteed. Brown has emerged as one of the better wideouts in football, catching 63 passes for almost 900 yards and five touchdowns in 2021. By his own standards, it was something of a down season after exceeding 1,000 receiving yards in each of his first two years, though he did miss four games to injury last season. Uh, However, the Ole Miss product was a key cog in Tennessee's offense, and it never seemed likely that that the Titans would let him hit free agency next offseason, even if the massive extensions of Devontae Adams and Tyree Kill set a new market for wide receivers this winter. The only other option would have been to trade him, and that felt unlikely given that Brown's age and the Titans had and have Super Bowl aspirations. Things change quickly in the NFL, though, and the Titans will now head into the 2022 season without Brown, but they did pick up Robert Woods. Still upset that my Rams did made that trade, um, and they still have superstar running back Derrick Henry. The Titans finished with the top overall seed in the AFC last season, only to lose in the divisional round to the Bengals. Their second straight one-and-done postseason campaign. But they've also made the playoffs in three straight seasons and four of the past five. Um, So I'm not really sure what the Titans are doing. A big trade for the Eagles, though. A a very good one, in my opinion. It also came out that Jalen Hurts pushed for the trade. So that shows that he wants to win. That's great. Switching gears to, I guess you could call it tennis. Very surprised when I saw this. Former tennis star Boris Becker was sentenced to two and a half years in prison for hiding over $3 million in assets and loans when declaring bankruptcy. The 54-year-old was convicted on four counts of violating the Insolvency Act and faced a maximum of seven years in prison. According to BBC Sports, he is expected to serve half of his sentence in prison. 
Becker won six Grand Slam tournaments as a player, including three, three Wimbledon titles. He became the youngest male major singles champion in 1985 when he won Wimbledon at 17 years old. After his playing career, he spent time coaching Novak Djokovic, as well as working as a commentator for BBC. In 2017, Becker was declared bankrupt over an unpaid loan of about 4.6 million euros or $5 million from a private bank. He was later found to have secretly transferred significant amounts of money from his business accounts to other private accounts, including to his ex-wife Barbara and his estranged wife Shirley. He also failed to disclose an 825,000 euro loan, his shares in a tech firm, and his share in a property in Germany. Becker was previously convicted of tax evasion and attempted tax invasion in Germany in 2002, but his two-year sentence was suspended. So Boris Becker tries to screw with the system and the screw him the system promptly screws him i said there were multiple monumental nfl trades and i was not lying there were the baltimore ravens are parting ways with their top wide receiver to add another first round pick in the 2022 nfl draft the arizona cardinals announced that they have acquired wideout marquis hollywood brown and a third round pick number 100 to be exact from the ravens in exchange for the number 23 pick a 2019 first-round pick of Oklahoma, Brown enjoyed the best year of his career in 2021. He recorded 91 receptions for over 1,000 yards and 6 touchdowns, which trailed only tight end Mark Andrews for the Ravens team lead. It was his first time finishing with over 800 receiving yards in a season. By getting traded to Arizona, Brown is being reunited with his old college quarterback, Kyler Murrays. I think this is a A-plus plus trade for the Arizona Cardinals and an absolute horrible trade for the Baltimore Ravens. He received the nickname Hollywood during his time at Oklahoma when he was a receiver for Kyler Murray. So the co former college teammates reunite. Uh, and keep in mind that the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins, who will be back after being limited to 10 games last season because of a torn MCL. And they also re retained veteran A.J. Green in free agency and wideout Rondale Moore will be looking to build off a promising rookie season as well. So the Arizona Cardinals are looking dangerous next season. Uh, a huge trade for them as a Rams fan. You know, they're in the division. You could say rivals, a bit of a rivalry, even though we mopped them in the playoffs. But this is a huge move for the Cardinals. I like it a lot. Not sure what the Ravens are doing, though. Let's switch gears to some NBA. After another disappointing playoff loss, Donovan Mitchell's future with the Utah Jazz is going to be a major topic of discussion this offseason. Speaking to reporters after Thursday's 98-96 defeat to the Dallas Mavericks in Game 6, which knocked the Jazz out of the playoffs in the first round, Mitchell was asked by the Desert, Deseret News if he wants to remain in Utah, saying, quote, Yes, this hurts, I'm not going to lie, but yeah, I do. Mitchell has three more guaranteed seasons remaining on the five-year, $163 million contract he signed in November 2020. He averaged 26 points, 5 assists, and 4 rebounds per game in 67 starts this season. This marks the third time in Mitchell's five seasons that the Jazz have lost their first-round playoff series. The franchise has, has not advanced past the second round since the 2006-07 season. Much has been made of the dynamic between Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Shems Cherania reported in April 2020 that had a source saying their relationship doesn't appear salvageable. Mitchell told reporters almost a year later that the story helped bring the two players together, saying, quote, it brought out a level of determination in both of us that we never had. I never had a controversy like that. Here we were, the two pillars of the team, and we had to, we had to go to the playoffs in two months. It brought out a different level of tenacity in both of us. 
Despite those comments, there remained rumblings that something hasn't has been off between the Jazz's two financial two franchise pillars. ESPN's Brian Windhorst said in February that Mitchell and Gobert were quote under each other's skin with all kinds of subtweeting and passive aggressive stuff going on. The Jazz were a season high 18 games over 500 on January 6th at 28 and 10, but went 21 and 23 over the last 44 games of the season to fall to number five in the West. Their defense allowed 109 points per game after the All-Star break compared to under 107 before the All-Star break. Whatever Utah's, Utah's front office decides to do this offseason, it would seem unlikely that the roster will be back as currently constructed next season. And that's not much of a, not, not much of a surprise, at least for me. Uh, but yeah, looking forward to Donovan Mitchell on the Knicks. Speaking of the Knicks, Zion Williamson. After Zion Williamson sat out the entire 2021-22 season while recovering from foot surgery, it had appeared his tenure with the New Orleans Pelicans might end sooner than expected. But Williamson said he, he does not plan on going anywhere. When asked if he, if he would sign a contract extension with the Pelicans, the star told reporters, quote, of course, I couldn't sign it fast enough. Zion also said that he felt like he could have played at some point this season, but a collective decision was made by him, the coaching staff, and the front office that his longevity was more important, and I think that is absolutely true if that is indeed the case. The Pelicans' season ended Thursday after a 115-109 loss to the Phoenix Suns in Game 6 of their first-round playoff series. The fact that New Orleans even pushed the top-seeded Suns to six games was a huge, very impressive way to cap off a surprising season for the Pelicans. While Zion was out, it, it was hardly expected that the team would contend for a spot in the playoffs. But the Pelicans closed the year with eight wins in their past thir- in their last 13 games to clinch a berth in the play-in tournament, where they defeated the San Antonio Spurs and Los Angeles Clippers to secure the eighth seed. A large reason for the Pelicans' success was the midseason acquisition of veteran shooting guard C.J. McCollum. He quickly developed chemistry with forward Brandon Ingram, and the pair became one of the most potent scorers in the Western Conference. The prospect of adding Zion Williamson to that team is very interesting. I would say borderline scary. But yeah, let's transition back to some football. Why don't we? Debo Samuel was not traded during the first round of the 2022 NFL Draft on Thursday night, but it apparently was not for lack of trying by multiple teams. Appearing on the Pat McAfee Show, NFL Network's Ian Rappaport noted the New York Jets and Detroit Lions made trade offers for Samuel that were turned down by the 49ers. The Niners wouldn't do it. According to Rappaport, the Jets' offer to the Niners included the number 10 overall pick and a pick swap at some point later in the draft. After the 49ers rejected the offer, the Jets wound up selecting Ohio State wide receiver Garrett Wilson with the 10th pick. Rappaport did not specify what the Lions' offer for Samuel was. They had five picks in the first three rounds, including numbers 2, 32, and 34 overall. Detroit did come out of the draft with a wide receiver. The team traded picks 32, 34, and 66 overall to the Minnesota Vikings in exchange for the number 12 pick to select Alabama's Jameson Williams. Solid move by the Lions, but they did give up a lot. There was plenty of activity um, amongst other wide receivers, as I reported, that uh, deep, not Debo, Hollywood Brown got traded to the Cardinals and A.J. Brown to the Eagles. With that, we are switching gears back to the NBA. As a Laker fan, this makes me cautiously optimistic slash excited. Utah Jazz head coach Quinn Snyder is reportedly on the Los Angeles Lakers' radar in their search for a new head coach. According to NBA insider Mark Stein, the Lakers have, quote, serious interest in Snyder after firing Frank Vogel. 
Snyder has one year remaining on his contract with the Utah Jazz, but it is not guaranteed that he will be back with the organization on the heels of another first-round playoff exit this season. The 55-year-old has spent the past eight seasons as part of the as head coach of the Jazz, posting a record of 372 and 264 with six playoff appearances. Each of those playoff appearances have come in the past six seasons, but playoff success has largely eluded Snyder as the Jazz have not made it past the semifinals during his tenure. This season, we know what happened. It marked the end of a hugely disappointing season for the Jazz, who were expected to make a far deeper run with a roster headlined by Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Mike Conley, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Jordan Clarkson. Uh, while all of the aforementioned players are under contract for next season, Jacob could be f- kind of on the way, uh, as has been said, because this is just not working. It's just not. Oh, man. Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer. Major League Baseball is suspending Los Angeles Dodgers pitcher Trevor Bauer for 324 games the equivalent of two full seasons without pay for its joint domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policy. This is absolutely insane. Trevor Bauer did nothing wrong. He has been wronged. Um, Everything that he was accused of has been proven to be false. Nothing will be happening to Trevor Bauer legally. There is no grounds for any of those false claims. Call me whatever you want, but you can't assume someone is guilty without evidence there has been absolutely no evidence linking bauer to anything that he's been accused of quite the opposite um i mean you have marcelo zuna who was literally filmed beating his wife in front of cops he was suspended 20 games our oldest chapman who beat his wife and shot out of a firearm eight times it was suspended for 30 games and you're telling me that roberto Osuna, i mean so many guys And you're telling me that Trevor Bauer gets 324 games. The same Trevor Bauer who has a very outgoing, very polarizing personality. The same Trevor Bauer that was publicly criticizing Rob Manfred and the complete incompetence of the commissioner's office and Major League Baseball. You're telling me that that Trevor Bauer, who's that outspoken, calls out their incompetence, gets 324 games for essentially nothing i mean what did he do wrong i'd love to know because like there's just it's just crazy um bauer announced that he will appeal the suspension saying quote in the strongest possible terms i deny committing any violation of the league's domestic violence and sexual assault policy i am appealing this action and expect to prevail as we have throughout this process my representatives and i respect the confidentiality of the proceedings ESPN's Jeff Passan noted per Gus Garcia Roberts of the Washington Post that Bauer is also facing new allegations. A new report from uh, Garcia Roberts includes allegations of sexual abuse by Trevor Bauer, who Major League Baseball suspended today for two years. Um, As MLB suspends Trevor Bauer, a new accuser speaks out, telling G. Garcia Roberts that Bauer choked her unconscious without her consent, among other things. Uh, So yeah, that's the latest on Trevor Bauer. I truly believe he's done nothing wrong. Um, it's just a convenient way for the MLB to punish him because he's been outspoken against them. This whole situation is so crazy to me. I'm sure he's learned a lot, a lot of lessons with this whole scenario. I know that I'm learning lessons by observing him, which is unfortunate for him because he's the one getting punished, you know, suspended, public reputation is in the toilet. So 
it's very unfortunate for Trevor Bauer. I feel bad for Trevor Bauer. Trevor, if you're somehow listening to this by any chance, I wish you the best and can't wait to see you back in a Dodger uniform. And uh, yeah, let's switch gears back to some baseball, to some to some foot, to some basketball. Excuse me, uh, brains all over the place right now. I'm also a little faded, but you know that's how it is. The Philadelphia 76ers were delivered a tough blow to their title hopes on Friday as superstar Joel Embiid will be sidelined indefinitely. Embiid suffered a right orbital fracture and mild concussion in Thursday's Game 6 win over the Toronto Raptors, and there is no timetable for his return. The big man appeared to suffer the injury when Raptors veteran Pascal Siakam drove to the hoop and inadvertently elbowed him in the face with about four minutes left in the game. Uh, This begs the question, why... Embiid was even in the game with the Sixers up 30 with three minutes to go. I mean, this just makes no sense. Embiid's health became a major storyline for the 76ers in their first round playoff series against the Raptors when it was revealed that he suffered a torn thumb ligament, even though he elected to play through it and, de- and delay any potential surgery. Health is always on the forefront when it comes to the 28-year-old, considering that he set out the first two seasons of his NBA career with foot issues and has never played more than 68 games in a season. Still, he appeared in a career-best number of games this season as an MVP candidate who carried the Sixers while averaging 30.6 points, 11.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists, 1.5 blocks, and over 1 steal a game behind 49.9% shooting from the floor and 37% shooting from 3. He is absolutely cracked, and the Sixers absolutely have to have him beat if they have any hopes of winning the NBA championship. And lastly... Switching gears to baseball, what a day for the New York Mets. What a day for Mets fans. Uh, as a Dodger fan, I truly say that I am glad that you guys have a great team. Five New York Mets pitchers combined to throw the second no-hitter in franchise history on Friday to cap a 3-0 home win over the Philadelphia Phillies. Tyler McGill started the game and twirled five hitless innings with five strikeouts and three walks on 88 pitches. He handed the baton off to Drew Smith, who struck out four in 1.1 innings. Joely Rodriguez walked two in an inning of work but did not allow a hit. Seth Lugo then worked two-thirds of a frame before closer Edwin Diaz fanned the heart of the Phillies order in Bryce Harper, Nicholas Castellanos, and JT Romuto to end the no-hitter. Left-hander Johan Santana delivered the first no-hitter in franchise history when he beat the St. Louis Cardinals 8-0 on June 1st, 2012. The five Mets pitchers ended up striking out 12 total batters on 159 pitches over nine innings of work. At the dish, Jeff McNeil broke a scoreless tie in the fifth with a two-RBI single to score Mark Canna and Eduardo Escobar. Pete Alonso added, in, added an insurance run with a home run in the sixth inning. Um, so the Mets' effort marked the MLB's first no-hitter this season. The last no-hitter was also a combined effort when Corbin Burns won eight innings and Josh Hader went one inning when the Brewers beat the Cleveland 3-0 last September. Ladies and gentlemen, this is all we have for episode number 390 of the Sean Sports Talk podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening, and I'll see you guys on the next one.